The Gospel of John has a, a very unique way of teaching us who Jesus is and what faith looks like. And he gives us glimpses of how he changes people's lives and, and how he transforms their lives. And we've taken a look last week at Nicodemus, and we joked that he was Nick at night, and uh, he's a confused, confused minister. And God comes and radically changes his life. We see that at the end of, of the text. We also can take a look at the Samaritan woman, who many of you might be familiar with this story. My prayer this morning is that even though you are familiar with that story, that the Holy Spirit of the living God that is among us right now would take this message and take your familiarity with, them, with this story and breathe something new that you haven't seen or be reminded of something maybe you've forgotten. And maybe this is a new story for you're not aware of the Samaritan woman or the woman at the well, as she is affectionately called. And then maybe you're not aware of this, this story, maybe through the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll be able to just really talk about what her life looks like. She's a, she's a desperate, desperate life, desperate woman right now. There's a lot of things that are going on in her life. She comes to a well that is a well that is for those of the outside. And so what I want us to do really important is I want us not to forget the importance of understanding the context that the, the gospel of John was written and why we can use it and why we can read it and why we can gain insight from it. And so it's important for us to understand the purpose so that we can understand the context of why these verses or why this story is even in there. And so John has a collection of all these people that he's encountered and all the people that Jesus has encountered and how their lives have been changed. And, and he sort of summarizes it in John 20, 31. I'd encourage you to memorize this verse. I'd encourage you to write it down on a note card. Maybe put it to your bathroom window. Maybe put it in your car. But memorize this verse so that you understand why we have the gospel of John. Why was it written so, so that we might know who he is? And John says it so eloquently in John 20, 31. He says this, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's the reason that we have this book. That's the reason that we have this, uh, these accounts of these interactions and encounters and stuff. And so what we've done over the past several, several weeks is, you know, we'll, we'll read a little bit, talk about it, read a little bit, talk about it, make the points at the end. What I've decided to do this morning is really break down the, the 20 or so verses that we're going to uncover and come up with a summary of each section at the beginning. And so maybe we'll do it a little bit different uh, this morning. And so... I'll, uh, uh, the 20 verses, I've broken it down into five sections with um, uh, a summary of that. And so I'd love to, to start with, with verse 1. Our first lesson that I feel like that we can learn is spirit-led pursuit. Spirit-led pursuit. And so let's just jump into verse 1 and, and just see where this, where this goes. Now, it says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John... How did the Pharisees hear this? Let me make a little comment there. It it's, might have been that Nicodemus heard about this Jesus and then he, he went back, he heard Jesus and then went back and he said it to the Pharisees. That could have been the way that, that they, they, they found out about that. Verse two, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples. Verse three, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. Verse four, don't miss this. And he had to pass through Samaria. And so if we're looking at this from a geographical standpoint, that is an error and it's not true. Because geography tells us that there are more ways to get to Samaria 
than the way that Jesus went. But it says right here that he had to pass through Samaria. There's actually three ways. There's along the coast, the Jordan Valley, and the central ridge road that, w- that wound north through the passes of the mountains. So there's at least three other ways that Jesus could have gotten to Samaria, but it says in the text right here that he had to pass through Samaria. I believe John is declaring to you and I, and I believe that he is modeling to us by pointing us to Jesus, the mission of the church by showing that Jesus was on a mission for people to know who he was. This is most prominently seen in Acts chapter one, verse eight. Now there's the book of Acts, it's coming back to us, okay? Acts chapter 1, verse 8, I want to read it to you, and then I'm going to stop, and you're going to fill in a blank. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and, say Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus was on a mission. He is fully God. He is fully man. The Holy Spirit is fully God. In spirit form. And so here is what's going to take place is that Jesus had no other way to go. He had to go through, he had to go through this way to get to where he was going. He had to go through Samaria. I don't know about you, but I want to let you know something right now that that's the way that I want to live. I don't want to sit back and sit there and say, God, why did I go this way? Instead, I want to ask the question, God, show me the reason why I went this way and for the people that I'm supposed to encounter. That happened to me at Chick-fil-A. God bless Chick-fil-A. This past Friday, Andrew was in a play. I'd seen the play, and so I just had a lot of time to work on my message, and so I just went to Chick-fil-A. I hold up there around 4 o'clock, and I was in Garner, North Carolina, and I was sitting there, and here's, I need to let you know something. I need to listen to music when I prepare my messages because I'm nosy. And if I'm around people, I listen to their conversation. I'm an eavesdropper. Don't look at me so spiritual, you are too. (laughs) And I did not have my earbuds in, and this guy two tables away was talking really loud, and I just got in, I just got into their conversation. And I was like, okay, I really need to get my earphones on because I cannot concentrate right now. And finally I, I got set up and I was getting ready to go, and he said, Man, I'm sorry to dump all this stuff on you. He's talking to his friend. He said, He said, I'm just trying to find out the meaning of life. And I'm like, I gotta say something. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting here, guys, I'm sitting here and I'm not, I'm just sitting here and I'm looking at it and I'm saying, Spirit, lead us. The text is screaming to us. It said he had to go through Samaria. There are people that need to know. So he was walking out the door and I said, Hey, I, I got something. He said, What? I said, I need to ask you a question. I said, listen, man, I know this might sound weird and stuff like that, but I did overhear your conversation and you asked us, you, and you said a statement. You said, I'm just trying to put this thing together and I'm trying to figure out the meaning of life. And I said, and I, I just need you to know something that there's this book that sits right here on this table that it's got a lot to talk about, about what the meaning of life is. And if you ever want to talk about that, I would love to talk to you about it. I know this may sound weird. I'll give you my phone number. You text me. He's like, uh, I'm in a hurry. Um, I went, yeah. He said, but I'll give you my card. So he gave me his card. About two hours later, I'm going through this text, and I'm just pouring over this word about what does it mean to he had to. 
he was overwhelmed. And so I just texted the guy. I said, this is Matt. I met you at Chick-fil-A. Not to be weird, just want to let you know that God has changed my life. And I need you to know that if you ever want to sit down and talk about the meaning of life, I'd love to talk to you about it. My phone buzzed right away. <laughs> he said, have you ever heard of transportation or portalism? And I went, oh boy. <laughs> Portal, transport, I'm not trying to make fun. I, I didn't hear that. I told him I'd never heard that before. But we had this conversation. We started going all the way over to Chick-fil-A. just started talking. And he got back to the glory of God and how Jesus is God and we can know him. And he had said that Jesus had changed his life and it was an incredible conversation. And I just want us to be aware of the have to. And not sit back and look at and go, why in the world am I here? Why did I go this way? Instead, might we look at God, in your sovereign plan, you have positioned and placed me here. So please, I beg you, in the name of Jesus, don't let me miss it. Maybe it would be that we set foot on Sunday morning and that we pray to the living God of the universe and we say, God, I am coming to Northwest Community Church. That is my church. That is the place that you have planted me. That's the place you have, you have called me to be a part of. Might you, through your spirit, give me words to say in my mouth that I might encourage someone I come into contact with? He, he had to because Jesus was demonstrating to us what he was going to reveal to us in Acts chapter 8, which is the mission that has been outlined by himself. And it is beautiful he does that. Conversation continues. Let's go to verse 5. So he came to a town, Samaria, called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. This was a well that was used prominently, but not presently. Okay, before it was used, but it wasn't used. Now I said, and Jacob's well, Jacob, this is verse 6, Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, so let's just make sure we understand what's going on. Jesus is demonstrating, what we see in this text is that there is the humanity of Jesus. He is tired, he is thirsty, he is, he is sitting beside the well. It is 12 o'clock noon, the hottest part of the day. And he sits beside that, and what he demonstrates to us in the first six verses is what it means to be led in a spirit-led pursuit. You might say, well, Matt, that's what we talked about last week when, when we need the Spirit of God to help us to understand the things of God. Yes, I know. It's really cool. The Bible's very consistent. Isn't that awesome? We said it last week. We're saying it again this week. The Spirit-led pursuit is the first lesson that we learn. The second lesson that we learn is what I call shattered barriers. Shattered barriers. Let's go on and take a look at verse 7. The conversation uh, continues and we, we pick it up here in seven. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Verse eight, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me as a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. This right here is blowing the barrier away. Right now, Jews were not supposed to be talking to Samaritans. Several reasons. First and foremost, 
Jesus, come to eliminate the, Jesus comes to eliminate the barrier that's known by the gender difference. Because here in culture, it is not usually known for a man to initiate a conversation with a woman that he did not know. And Jesus comes to, to, to extinguish that barrier. Verse 27 of, verse, of chapter 4 says, His disciples were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Not only that, there was a religious difference. You see, Samaritans were half Jewish and half Gentile, both ethnically and religiously. And this made them unclean and hated by the Jews. And so they were unclean, they were half-breed. And they also refused to worship at the temple in Jerusalem. They constructed their own temple in another area. And so, but nonetheless, nonetheless, all of those things take place. And Jesus comes up to her and says, hey, give me a drink. He initiates the conversation. He has nothing to drink out of or drink with. But he initiates this conversation. And this absolutely shocked this woman. Because you're not supposed to do this. Don Carson sort of summarizes this. This is more of a history quote for us to really sort of contextualize what's going on. Here's what Don Carson said in, in his uh, book, one of his books. It says, after the Assyrians captured Samaria, a capital of the northern kingdom of Israel, they deported all the Israelites of substance and settled the land with foreigners who intermarried with the surviving Israelites and adhered to some form of their ancient religion. After the exile of the southern kingdom in Babylon, the Jews were returning to their homeland. They viewed the Samaritans not only as children of political rebels, but as racial half-breeds whose religion was tainted by various unacceptable practices. They were ethnic, racially, and religious issues, and they had strong disdain for the Samaritans among many people, but not Jesus. May that be so about us. They were ceremonially unclean, racially impure, racially heretical, and therefore they were avoided, but not by King Jesus because he came to shatter barriers. I'm sitting here right now and I'm studying this and, and I'm, 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 I'm studying it this week and I look on Twitter and one of my friends in Wilmington, Ethan Welch, his church is called the Bridge Church. They've got their own building in Wilmington, North Carolina, just two hours from here, a place that many of you have been or will go this summer. He sends a picture of the graffiti, the racial graffiti that was spray painted to the outside of his church. I couldn't even show you the pictures. The gravity, the gravity of this issue of, of, of race has been a sin of ours for a long time. Maybe this picture, I was trying to figure out how could I just really emphasize what was going on with this woman having to leave her city and go to this city, to go to this well, to drink water from a well at 12 o'clock when most women came early in the morning or late in the afternoon. I thought this might give us a little context. John Piper made mention that she went to Samaria and saw a sign that said, colored, only Samaritans. Jesus never taught this. And I hope we feel with that picture
that gravity. If I sit here this morning <laughs> with my buddy Jimmy in the back explaining my message and explaining that picture to him, it grieves me. It grieves me. So what do we do about it? I think here's what we can do. We banish every belittling and unloving thought of our minds. God, please reconcile my mind and my thoughts. Let that not be in me. That's not in you. That wasn't in you. You defined that. You demonstrated that. Let's put every tone of ridicule away from our mouths. And let's go out of our way to show personal, affectionate oneness with Christ to those that are different. Uh, those from all ethnic backgrounds. How about this? Let's be salt and light to all people. And then let's beg King Jesus to heal us, to forgive us, and ask him to empower us to love like he loved. How about we do that? I'll say it again. How about we do that? Christ didn't demonstrate this. What did he do? He came in to shatter barriers. He was a spirit-led pursuit and he came to shatter these barriers and so now we get to see our next lesson is extended grace that's given and so he comes to uh, the answer um, right here in verse 10 extended grace is our next lesson verse 10 says this Jesus answered her if you knew the gift of God perhaps the understatement of the century <laughs> or millennia and, and who it is that is saying to you give me a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you a living water. There's a difference between water that is stagnant in an old well and water that is living. It is constantly refreshing. It is constantly good. And if we know our scripture, Jesus always referred to God as the living water. She might not have known that with her history. So he talks to her about two things. The gift that he's going to give her that's represented in the water, what the meaning of the water is. And he talks to her about himself, that he's the giver of that gift. Verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob? Oh, it's, the answer's coming. He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did the sons and his livestock. 13, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst be, will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water again. So what is the water? Verse 10 tells us the water is the gift of God. It is not something that we earn. It's not something that we work for. I know that many of you have heard that again and again and again. So listen, if it is truly a gift, then let it be received as a gift. And let's not try to earn our favor before a holy God. He is declaring right now that this water is a gift. And not only that, but it's living water. Verse 10 says, he would have given you living water. Again, there is stagnant water. That's the, that's the, 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 the illustration right there. What he's talking about is this water gives life. And what happens if you drink of this water? He looks at the woman, what happens if you drink of it? Well, it's really clear in verse 14 says, whoever drinks of that will never thirst again. When I was, um, uh, I was at my brother's house at Christmas time and uh, we were sitting there and I had brought my, um, my, my, my dog. It's a love-hate relationship. Her name is Lucy. Um, 
Uh, I, I admit that. Please forgive me. Anyway, Lucy, so we, we came to my brother's house, and she barks a lot and loudly. And, uh, and so anyway, we went to my brother's house, and we were at his house. We were, well, my kids were playing over there. My brother lives in a cul-de-sac. There's a big yard. There's a swimming pool in the backyard. The swimming pool was not covered, but the water level was lower than the, the water that comes out, like the jets of the swimming pool. You know what I'm talking about. So the water was going into the swimming pool. The water level was lower. And so Lucy wanted to go outside, and she goes outside, and Lucy has never been in a swimming pool. She's never seen a swimming pool, and she is going absolutely insane. She's going crazy. She's running around the swimming pool. She's trying to get into the swimming pool. It's about 42 degrees. I'm like, what is going on with this crazy dog? Now she's, now she's not barking, but she is running around the swimming pool. I realized I'd been to my brother's house, I don't know, maybe six hours, maybe seven hours, and I never put out a thing of water. Yes. Please don't shame me. I, I, I go, oh my gosh, Lucy is dying of thirst. She's trying to get into the pool to drink. She sees that water that is running, and I'm going, oh my word, Lucy, come here, water. Put this big pole of water. I sat there. She like drank it like 30 minutes. She just sat there and just was lapping up that water. As I'm sitting here and I'm going through this thing right here. And I'm saying, hey, hey, hey. Jesus is looking at this woman. I'm telling you right now that if you drink of this water, you'll never be thirsty again. It will be a spring in your life. It'll give you eternal life. It'll be something that you've never had before. And I want you to have it. As a matter of fact, that I'm here. I'm here so that you will have it. He asks her the question, are you better than Jacob? And Jesus unashamedly says yes, but I think it's a gracious superiority that he, de he declares. He's looking at the woman at the well and saying, okay, listen, here's what needs to take place. You must decrease and I must increase. I have the water of life and you're thirsty. I want you to drink of this because this is your very need. And then what takes place is we understand that that is the overwhelming extension of God's beautiful and radical grace that he extends to her. However, Jesus being Jesus understands that she doesn't really get it on a spiritual plane, kind of like Nicodemus last week. And you would say, hey, Jesus, she, she just told you she wanted the water. You asked her if she wanted the water, she said she wanted the water, and then the next verse talks about our next lesson, which is a wound addressed. She says she wants the water, and, she's, and then Jesus in verse 16, take a look at this, go call your husband and come here. Now I would be like texting SMH and it's scratching, no, scratching my head, yeah, that's it, right? You'd be like, what in the world did he just say? I, he told me about water, I want this water, and he told me to go get my husband. Where is the conversation going right now? We know that there's a spirit-led pursuit, we know that there's shattered barriers, and we know that, that God's extending grace to her, but what God does not want is to have some type of easy believism, and he says, I need you to go get your husband. Verse 17 says this, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband. For you have five husbands, and the one you have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Verse 19, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Here's the situation that Jesus is getting ready to see. What he wants more than anything in the world is for her to have eternal life that brings forth 
living water that brings forth to eternal life. That's what he wants more than anything. He does not want easy believism. He wants her to truly understand what he came to do. Not just a quick fix here. I want you to understand all that I give and all that I am. And so what does he do? He addresses a wound that's in her life, not a scar. And there's a big difference. There's a scar that you might have had, maybe because you were playing a sport and you got cut and you have stitches, your stitches healed up and you have a scar. If I was to walk up and see a scar maybe on your arm and I was to touch it, it wouldn't hurt. But the issue, if I see a wound that you have and I touch it, figuratively, it hurts and it hurts really bad. And sometimes the wounds that we have, sometimes the wounds that we have, help us or hinder us from seeing all that he is and all that he came to give. And what Jesus, what Jesus is wanting to do is he's wanting her to truly see what living water he's really talking about. It's not something that, oh, I'm really parched, I'm really thirsty. It's a thirst that can only be quenched by the eternal life that only he can give. It can only be quenched by the grace that he offers. And so what is he trying to do with her right now? He is trying to get to the root of the issue. You're not able to see the living water that I offer you because the living water that you're trying to get is seen in your, your relationships that are not going so well. That's where you're trying to get satisfied. We don't know a lot about the woman at the well or why she has five husbands and is living with one that's not her, her spouse. We could speculate and say, oh, five of them died. And then the sixth one said, you know what? Let's not get married. <laughs> let, let, let's, just, let's just keep things the way they are right now, okay? I, I'm not ready to die. So we could speculate and say, was, were they, was she divorced? Or was she a widow? Excuse me, was she a widow? We could also speculate that maybe each of those relationships ended in divorce. We don't really know exactly where that was. We do know this, is that she was living with someone who was not her husband and she was not allowed to go drink water from the well that was in the city. She was not able to talk to the people that she lived among. She went at 12 o'clock, the hottest part of the time, was the only person that left her city and went to this well called Jacob's Well to get water that she needed. She was... She was operating out of a wound. And Jesus is trying to help her to understand that yes, I'm here to help you with this wound. Sometimes we are wounded because of someone else's poor decisions. Sometimes there is a wound because of our poor decisions. And sometimes there is a wound because we live in a broken world and there's sin in the world and there are wounds. At the end of the day, Jesus wants her, wants you and me to experience all that he has to offer. And if we continue to treat symptoms of wounds, we're not going to get to the root of understanding the beautiful living water that is available to all of us. And so he's pressing and he's pushing to get to the depth. Maybe you're sitting in here and you're sitting here going, man, if I, if I was honest, Maybe you would sit there and say, my dad never encouraged me. My dad never told me a good job. My dad was this and my dad was this. And as a result of that wound, you find yourself working 90 plus hours a week just to show or stick it to your dad. 
And as a result of that, that's hurting your family drastically. Because we're not holding on or being able to hold on to the living water of the word that he gives to us. That he offers us. Maybe the wound is because someone left. And that hurt. And still does. Maybe the wound is, is something that someone said to you or didn't say to you. The wounds can be deep. Maybe they never came to see you play a game. All the other parents were in the stands watching you play your sports games, but they dropped you off at the door and they didn't come. And that hurt. Matt Chandler says this, it is an epic tragedy that the place Jesus wants to do his most significant work is in the place you and I spend so much time trying to hide. It is crushing for people, Christian people, people in the church, people out of the church. There's this spot that Jesus wants to get in there and heal. He wants to put back together. He wants to make us right so that we can experience streams of living water bursting forth unto eternal life. But when Jesus says, go get your husband, we hide and we don't want to talk about it. Let me say this to all of us here right now. Jesus comes to this woman and he says to her, I am going to address a wound in your life. Listen, don't miss this. And then he looks at her and says, now what I want to do is I want to address the wound that's in your life. He addresses it. Then he dresses it. And how does he dress it? He dresses it by living water that allows us not to thirst again. I would encourage us, let him do that. Let, let us help each other heal from maybe wounds that we have that are deep and hurt. Spirit-led pursuit, shattered barriers, extended grace. And the last one here is gospel transformation. goes on to 25 I'd encourage you to read the verses that we skipped over Jesus went right into a really sweet sweet message we talked about he was the he was uh, those who worship worship in spirit and in truth I've caught the end of the message the end of his message and I want to say it to you now it says in verse 25 the woman said to him I know that Messiah is coming he who is called Christ when he comes he will tell us all things and Jesus, look at this. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I who speak to you am he. Verse 27. Then Jesus said, then just then the disciples came back. They marveled at the way, they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? See, they witnessed him shattering barriers as we had just mentioned. Verse 28, so the woman left her jar and went away into town and said to the people, verse 29, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Verse 30, they went out of town and they were coming. Verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. We see him right now shattering these barriers and doing this and demonstrating before the people. 
we see the woman who's sitting there. She's, she is confronted with this wound that's in her life, where she is going to get living water from, where she is going to do that. Relationships, wrapped up in relationships. And Jesus is coming. I want to redefine that for you. I want you to come to me. I want you to, I want you to come to me and get living water that brings forth to uh, eternal life. And so here she responds. She responds by coming to the well. She's at the well. She's trying to get water. And what does she do? She drops what she came to get. And here's the reason she dropped those jars that were holding the waters because she wasn't thirsty anymore for that kind of water. She, she dropped what she came for because she got not what she wanted but what she needed. She goes back into her city. She goes back into her city and she tells all these people, now remember this, let's put the context here. Here is a woman who was going to a well away from her townspeople, the people that she lived in. She was shunned. She was called a lot of names. She was not able to drink from the well that they had in the city and had to go over here out of town at 12 o'clock in the middle of the afternoon to get the water. Only she had to do that because, again, she was shunned. She drops the water that she had come to get because she'd gotten living water and goes back to tell those folks all about what she had done, all that what he had done in her life. This is so unbelievable. She was a desperate woman with a great wound and great shame. But the desperation in her life came for other people to experience the transformation that only he can, he can give. She was a desperate woman looking for hope, looking for satisfaction, looking for someone to believe in her and this is what took place. A spirit-led pursuit, shattered barriers, extended grace, a wound addressed and gospel transformation. She ran with a new definition of desperation. And I just have to ask us the question, do, do we recognize, do we recognize that the spirit of the living God, how he orchestrates our steps to go where we need to go and to talk and to say what we need to say, do we recognize that? Let us live in such a way that again, we ask, God, why am I here? Not why did I come here? So we might not miss opportunities to encounter or to talk about the living water that is given to all who ask and be cleansed. So there's a couple of things that are going on right now as we just get ready to sing again. Two things. Number one, if you are in here today and you are religious and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, then I would beg you and I would ask you at this, at this moment right in your chair while we sing to ask God for the living water because he desires to give it to you and to nourish you and to quench that thirst that you so desperately have and are trying to fill it with something else. I would beg you to do that right now. And if you are a believer, you are a believer, then let us, let us be led by the Spirit. Let us live to shatter barriers in our culture, in our city. Let us deal with wounds that we all have and help others to deal with those wounds. 
Let us let God address them. Let God dress them by the washing of the water of his word. And then let us live lives that are demonstrated by true gospel transformation. What in the, I mean, what would it look like for those people to say, I know Jesus because of you. That's what they were talking about this woman. Many people came to faith in Christ because of her testimony. May we live in such a way that we radically, boldly, and passionately talk about the living water. Because when we drink of it, we won't thirst again. And when we drink of it, we will know what life is really all about. I love you guys. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for John chapter 4 and this woman at the well. I want to thank you for allowing us to look at it. Um, I want to thank you, Lord, that you in your sovereignty have placed the spirit of the living God in us so that we might be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Thank you for Jesus demonstrating that. Thank you for Jesus going in and shattering these barriers. We desperately need those barriers shattered in our church and everywhere in between. I lift up my friend Ethan, who's in Wilmington, who's had to go to church this morning with those terrible things written on his building. May you use them today to bring about change in their city. May you use us to bring about change in our city. And God, I pray that if there's someone in here right now that has a deep, deep wound, that God, today would be an opportunity for us to just lift up and pray for them and, and over them. And God, at the end of the day, I pray that we would truly look, look to the woman at the well, this Samaritan woman, and we would see and see evidence of what does it mean to have a changed life. She was changed by you. Let us live in such a way. May many people come to know Jesus because of our testimony, not in spite of our testimony. Love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.